Listen, isn't it good to be in God's house today? Good to hear the talent and ability of you to sing praises to God today. We're glad that you're here. And when, you might be a guest with us uh, for the first time. We're glad that you're here. You might be a member. We're glad you're here. Uh, let's do be mindful to pray this week. Pray for one another. Look to the left or to the right. I'm going to give you a chance to do it right now. Look, look to the left or to the right. And just look to your neighbor and say, you need prayer. Just go ahead and tell them. Now look behind you and, to the, look behind you and tell them, that person behind you, you need prayer. And look to the person in the front and say, you need prayer. All right, that was pretty good. Now, some of you stalled like you faked a sneeze or you had an allergy flare up because you didn't want to say it because you're nervous because you're an introvert. Now, let's do it again. Look to your neighbor somewhere and say, you need prayer. I need prayer and you need prayer. We do. Listen, we all stand in the need of what? Of prayer. What is prayer? Us speaking with God. Not to God, but with God. Us Having one another, the Bible tells us to bear one another's burdens. The church is the weirdest thing on the planet. You got people of every socioeconomic status, people from every type of home, every background. You got people from all different ways around the world, and we come together, and the Bible says we're equal at the foot of the cross. Isn't that amazing to think how God is the great equalizer of us all? Because he loves us. We were made in his image. Sharing with somebody the other day, and they were talking about our differences. I was like, listen, I want to be very clear. Adam is my grandpa, and Eve is my grandma. Amen? Can anybody else in the room claim that? Raise your hand if you can claim that. Adam's your grandpa, Eve's your grandma. All right? So what happens is we're all one people. Amen? And who did Christ die for? He said he came to be the second Adam. Where the first Adam failed, he came to be the second Adam, which he is the completer, the saver of all mankind. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says what? shall be saved. This is truth from the Word of God. So either what we just sang is true, that God is faithful, great is His faithfulness, or He's not. And listen, I know that based on just His Word, because who He is, He's faithful. And based on my life experiences, guess what? He's faithful. No matter how you slice it and dice it, He's faithful. Look around, you'll see the unfaithful ones. We are the ones who are unfaithful, and we wonder, where is God? God has never left His throne. God has never left heaven. God has never changed his mind. The Bible says he's immutable. He never changes. It is we who change, and therefore we focus on something. Listen, let me encourage you to first look in the mirror, and then look into the mirror of the Word of God, and you'll see where the issue lies. It's never with God. I can guarantee you 100%. It's never with God. It is always with us. It's with you. It's with me. Let's look today, and uh, Melissa told me there was not 48 verses in chapter 21. If your note says chapter 21, it actually should be Luke 19 that I'm preaching from today, but you can go to 21 because I was reading chapter 20 and 21. I was carried this thing all the way through Easter, but we do call this Passion Week. Does anyone know why we refer to this as Passion or Holy Week? How that you know? Passion means obviously that emotion of great feeling, that, that where Jesus had passion over Israel and Jesus had passion for all of mankind. That is actually one meaning of the word passion. The other one comes from the Latin, and I, I had to phonetically put it up here, paseo, paseo, or paseo, if you want to say it faster, it means to endure suffering. So the Passion Week is that where Jesus had de a detailed emotional love for the people of Israel and for all of humanity, you and me. He was thinking of us when he was headed to the cross. He had passion, a love passion for you and for me. As he was headed to the cross, knowing that he was perfect, holy God, getting ready to actually have all of your sins and all of my sins placed on him on the cross. Yes, the beating was bad. 
and we could talk about how awful it was medically and his body was torn apart, and it was, but that wasn't the worst part of the cross. The worst part of the cross was taking your sins and 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 my sins and those who are watching every human of every time sins on himself and where Christ had to bear that, he says, Father, do what? What do you ask for those people that were torturing that day? Forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And, of course, you see the darkness and earthquake. We'll talk about that next week as we get into the resurrection Sunday morning service. But I want you to remember, listen, this Passion Week, it's called Passion because of the strong emotions Jesus had for the people of Israel, but also for you and for me. And it's also called Passion Week because it is the word to endure suffering. Passion Week represents Jesus' strong emotions and it represents Jesus' suffering. Resurrection Sunday's next week. We call it Easter. Did you know there's never an Easter without a Passover? Because, you know, Easter always changes. And we're always saying, when is Easter again this, this month or this year? And we always ask that question. It always is tied to the time of Passover. The Jewish calendar very much is linked to the Easter service. Without the Exodus, without the Passover, without the Paschal Lamb, there would be no Lamb of God. It was a foreshadowing of what was happening. So here we are in the week ahead, we're one week out from the cross and from the resurrection, entering this week. Let's go to, as we look at the scripture, we enter into this time, not to belabor it, but look back and see that all four gospels record this in just a little bit of different detail. But we're going to pick up at verse 28, Luke chapter 19, Luke 19, verse 28. Let's read together. When he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to, where is your Bible? Where is he headed to? Jerusalem. He's going up because Jerusalem, every time you see going up, Jerusalem is up on a hill. So if they're going down to Jerusalem, they're just a little bit of above it, Mount of Olives. But anytime you see reference going up to Jerusalem, Jerusalem is just mounted on a hill. So he's going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near Bethphage and Bethany at the mountain of, called Olivet, or we would say, what do you call it? Mount of Olives, yes, Mount of Olives, that he sent two of his disciples saying, Go into the village opposite you, where you are to enter, and you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. Now, the other Gospels talk about a, a mother donkey as well as the colt. So if you have one, can, is there a possibility of two? Well, there's a possibility. If there's two, is there a possibility of one? Yeah, there's two ones and two, right? Here we go. So if you read that, don't be confused. God's word is never, never at odds with itself. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. This is the password. If they ask you why you're taking it, the password is because the Lord has need of it. Verse 32. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, what's the password? The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus. And they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set or set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then, as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in the heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Verse 41. Now as he drew near, 
He saw the city and he wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Verse 43, For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you and surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. They will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. And then the Bible tells us as Jesus sees this, enters into Jerusalem, he moves very much to the very place, his father's house. Jesus said he always did what the father said to do. Throughout his teachings, he said, I never do anything on my own but what I see the father doing. And here the father moves him to the temple, verse 45. Then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, it is written, my house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. Let's pray together. Father God, would you bless the reading of your word, Lord, today. As we look into your word, Lord, we find strength and encouragement knowing that this is something that you had pre-known. This is, Lord, you have pre-planned. Lord, your word says you have all authority in heaven and earth. And Lord, we know that as we transition here reading this word, that Jesus, you are God. And that, Lord, we are uh, just readers of history, but experiences of the one most high God. Thank you for your love and care for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want you to look and see today's victorious King Jesus. We talk about victory, and I put in your notes, some of you might not, but I, I was speaking for the majority, I thought, when we said, we enjoy being on the winning side. Does anyone like to lose? Anyone care about losing? Anybody want everyone to be first when you race or whatever you do? Anyone want to be in the front? We're Americans, of course we do, right? And around the world, wherever you go, someone wants to win. Let's, let's compete. Not everyone's competitive, but if it comes, we have a choice. We'd rather be on the winning side. And so I want you to see this. Jesus triumphantly entered Jerusalem. We call this the triumphal entry. If you ever hear those terms, sometimes we use terms at Easter that not everyone understands. Triumphal entry means what? Triumphal means you're what? Victorious, right? So this is the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And who comes, who leads his army as he comes into triumph of celebration? Who would lead that? It would be the king, the king that we called already this morning. We sang about King Jesus, and this is Jesus triumphantly entering to Jerusalem. He knew he was heading towards his death to pay for all men's sin so that we might have what? Eternal life. You were on Christ's mind as he was headed into Jerusalem, knowing that he was going to pay the price for your sin and for mine. This blows my mind to think about if God knew me, if he really knows me, and he does, how in the world would he do that for me? Because I know me, and I wouldn't necessarily do it for myself. I know what my sins are daily and what they used to be, and what I don't even know what I'm going to do in the future, but I, I know I'm going to mess up in the future. I know I'm going to sin in the future. I, I know I'll willfully do things wrong against God because I was born into sin. Now, I have a new creation. I'm a new creation, the Bible says, because Christ has changed my life. I've received the Lord Jesus Christ. But I still have to battle. The Bible says daily there's a battle between the Holy Spirit. If you can read Galatians 5 and 6, there's a battle between the Holy Spirit of God that's within us and the flesh. I want to. He says no. I don't want to. He says yes. We're always at odds with God until we submit to God and obey him. Amen? So we look at each other and go, okay, this is, we can see ourselves here. 
I put this in your notes in the bold. We celebrate Palm Sunday to remember that monumentous occasion. When Jesus came in, we call it Palm Sunday. Why else would we call it Palm Sunday? Because the people actually took their clothing, and the other gospels say they took their clothing and laid it on the way, as you would for a king, as we'll see in your notes. But they also broke palm branches and waved them and shouted, Hosanna, as we just sang our first song. We, Hosanna means save now. That's what Hosanna means. So they were asking Jesus to save us now, save us now. They were shouting and singing to one who was the Messiah, the coming Messiah that the Jews knew about since Genesis chapter 3, where his seed shall damage the seed of Satan. He's coming. And all the way through the lineage of Judah, they knew he was coming one day. They were hoping. Every mother was hoping that they gave birth to the Messiah. Every, every mama hoped their boy was going to be the Messiah. They didn't know. They just knew he was coming. And they knew what tribe was going to be giving birth to the Messiah. So did Satan. That's why he tried to kill and wipe out that tribe of Judah. So here we are. And that's why he's called the Lion of Judah. We see Jesus coming out and he's coming through the lineage. He's come here. And we know his birth because why was he even called Jesus when we look back at Christmas? We just think back just a few months back. What did we say? We looked at Matthew chapter 1. His name shall be called Jesus. Why? That's what the angel told Joseph. His name shall be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. And so the people are shouting, Hosanna, save now. But what the people wanted was for the Messiah to come, boot Rome out of their country. Like Think of the Ukrainians now being today being bombarded by Russia. If there was a Savior who could come and push the Russians out and make them a top country again, that's what they would want. The Jews wanted the same thing. Save us now. Come be our Messiah. Come be our king. Save us from these people, these tyrants. Push them out. Make us established again and rule over us as the king with peace. And a land, once again, flowing with milk and honey. They wanted the tangible things they could get from Jesus. Yet they were still shouting. And knowing that he did these miraculous works, everyone couldn't help but know that he did them. And that's why the, his disciples even asked him, hey, let's don't go to Jerusalem because everybody's there. What season is this? The season's happening. There's something where all the Jews, remember three times a year, every male, Jewish male had to come back to Jerusalem for a festival. What festival is everyone coming back from? Europe, they're traveling from Europe and Northern Africa and, and all over the Middle East. They're coming back to Jerusalem for what? What is the, what is the, what is the festival right now they're coming back for? Passover. They're coming back for Passover festival because they're going to sacrifice the lamb. They have to come and bring a sacrifice for sins, and they know that the actual the lamb has to die. And they'll consume the lamb with the bitter herbs, and they'll, they'll eat the unleavened bread. They know all those things are picturesque of who Jesus is, the Messiah is. And as the Passover lambs are dying or being sacrificed, we know that there's an ultimate sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the Paschal Lamb. He is the Passover Lamb who dies not to cover sins anymore, but to take away sins forevermore. And that's the promise we have from the Word of God. So let's look at some things. These are just bullets today from this passage. is powerful. There's a whole lot, many more sermons in this passage. But let me look at a few awesome things. And then the first word is awesome. Jesus is divinely awesome because He is God. He demonstrated His, do you see this word? Sometimes we see the word, I put it in there so that we can actually pronounce it. Sometimes kids, how do kids say this word? Omniscience, yeah. Omniscience, right? They know his omniscience. What does it mean? All-knowing and, listen, when you come through, we can talk about all the omnis portions of God. 
He's all-knowing. He knows all things. He's divine. He's all-powerful. We know that God, there's nothing greater than God. Name something and you can say, is that greater than God? Is it greater than God? The answer is no, because all things are under his command. He created all things. So he all knows all things by detailing for his disciples where to go and what and who to encounter. Did you know there's people today that don't want to believe the Bible because they want to, if they have to read the Bible and believe the Bible, they have to believe all of it. Either God's fallible or he's not. Some people will teach you today that, oh, Jesus planned this ahead of time. He went to all these different places and the cult owners said, hey, I'm going to send some boys by later. They're going to pick it up at a certain day, a certain time. Listen, he didn't call ahead. This was God divinely knowing where the cult was. Did an angel of God speak to the cult owner? I don't know. But this is God knowing all things and calling all things to be. So Jesus is divinely awesome because he is God. Well, look and see. The second part, Jesus' disciples, they listened intently to Jesus' instructions. Is that applicable to us today? Do you listen to the instructions of God? And I would say not just instructions, but commands of God. Because sometimes when you tell your children no, and they say, but mama, you ever see those kids at the store or some other places? And they beg and borrow and they try to barter with their parents. A parent's no sometimes is not a no. Is it a no in your family? It was a no in our family. When you said a no was no, a yes was yes. A maybe is, well, a no usually, right? But a no is no. So when Jesus speaks here, when Jesus' disciples, they listen intently to him, they were ready to do what? What's the next step if you really fully are bought into a disciple of Christ, you hear a command from God. It could be something you've read a thousand times. It could be something that Jesus is speaking to you over and over again. He's knocking on your heart saying, listen, I'm trying to get you to correct this in your life. When do you actually faithfully follow him is when you actually move to the next thing. When you obediently, listen, just like these guys, they listened and then Jesus' disciples obediently traveled to the specific place Jesus commanded and found everything. And I put in your notes, because the Bible says so, just as he said. Everything was in order. The password worked. The cult was tied where it was supposed to be. It was in the village that he said to go to. Everything was exactly as he said it was to be. Why? Because he's God. We go back up to our first note that he's awesome because he's our awesome God. Well, let's continue. Watch this. I want you to see. They listened intently. They immediately traveled to the specific place. They got the specific cult. And could you imagine how awful it is? And I, talk, I think about this every time I preach it or, or, or read it. Could you imagine how unnerving it is? If somebody, you walk out of church today and somebody's out there and they got the keys, a key that works for your car, and they're getting in your car going, hey, what are you doing? And they're like, the Lord has need of it. Right? And you, you, you'd respond quickly. He didn't tell me, right? Step away from the car. So the Lord had to actually have this set up. This was part of their transportation. This was part of their workforce at home. A cult was very valuable in this time, and they knew the Lord had need of it. Could you imagine being the disciples? There's two of them. Hey, you look out. I'm untying. Ready? I imagine they tried to run with this donkey. I, I would have. I would like, okay, I, I know the Lord said so. Let's get it and go, right? Let's, let's get it and go. But they get caught in the act of actually untying the colts. And, of course, the, read the Gospels. It's the mother as well. Uh, the mother uh, donkey, and as they're untying it, you can imagine how unnerved they are in their gut because they know the culture. Stealing is what in their culture? Stealing. Yeah, it's bad. But stealing, stealing. What's stealing in our culture? It's stealing. Is it good or bad? 
Well, today, what are we doing? We're calling good bad and bad good, aren't we, in our culture today? We're allowing for it, saying, oh, if it's only under $1,000 or if it's this or that. Listen, God has never changed. He said, thou shalt not steal, and the Jews live by it, and we should live by it as well. Amen? The world based on that. If you go overseas in Kenya, they'll burn your hand. If you're caught stealing, the tribal people will take you. Somebody will burn your hand in a fire. Forevermore, you're known as a thief because you have a burned hand. Well, we have records. We want to sponge everyone's record today. We don't make it like it didn't happen today because we want to give everybody a fresh start. A fresh start and another fresh start. Here's what I want you to understand. These guys knew that stealing of this cult would cost them potentially their lives. Thou shalt not steal. They're still in Old Testament times. This isn't New Testament yet. Even though it's in the New Testament of your Bible, grace is not applying. If you got caught stealing, you're going to end up having to pay restitution or die. So they know as they... Oh, Man, I'm hoping Jesus is all that we believe him to be because as they untie him, they get caught and the owners ask, why are you untying the colt? And they give the password. And I want you to see, Jesus' disciples trusted him and spoke his own words to the owners of the colt. They trust him. You see it there? We've had this before. First they listened, L. Then they obeyed. And then they trusted, L-O-T. Took a lot of faith, didn't it? L-O-T. They listened to God, they trusted him, or they obeyed him, and then they trusted him. Let's continue. I want you to see, we'll go back into your, uh, the, the scriptures as well in just a moment. Jesus was honored by his disciples as they sat him on the donkey. They, they sat him up there on the donkey. You can actually go back and look. <clears throat> After they do in verse 35, they brought him to Jesus, the donkey, the colt to Jesus. The disciples, they threw their own clothes on the colt and they set Jesus on him. As he went, many spread their clothes on the road. And, of course, you'll see the other Gospels, as I mentioned. They broke palm branches and put them out and waved and shouted, Hosanna. They wanted the Messianic king to save them now from the Romans and actually make everything all good. Because they've seen Jesus, and the word's gotten out. He can take a few loaves and a few fishes, and what can he do? He can multiply it. He can actually feed the multitudes, thousands upon thousands. He's done it. He fed the 5,000 plus women and children. He fed the 4,000. He can heal the blind. He can make the lame walk. These are the things that this holy man, this holy God, this Messiah can do. And they're saying, Hosanna, do all of this now. We want all of it. They're just like little children. I want prosperity, and I want health, and I want food, and I want everything that I want. And you're going to be the king because... We want, to, I want you to supply it all. We want to actually just pull off you, your resources. Everyone knew, even the unbelieving Pharisees knew that he was from God because Nicodemus in chapter 3, John 3 says, we know that you're from God from all the miraculous things that you're doing. And he was speaking on behalf, I believe, of the Sanhedrin, saying all the religious rulers who are opposed to you can't help but know that you're from God because of all the things that you're doing. So the witness was tremendous. And we see that the disciples, they wanted to honor Jesus they took off their outer coats, as it were, laid them on the donkey, and then along the way, as Jesus sat there. As Jesus, look at this paragraph, this is important. As Jesus rode the donkey down the descent from the Mount of Olives towards Jerusalem, people, this is the other people in the community, this is people who believed that he was the Messiah, people that were shouting Hosanna, they're taking their outer garments off and they're laying them on the road, they're taking the palm branches and they're breaking them on the road as an act of homage before a king. They were recognizing that Jesus was king. Remember when the, when the wise men came to Herod, when we were back at Christmas, they said, where is he who is born what? 
king of the Jews. So before, as, as he was being born, they knew that there was testimony that there was a king of the Jews being born. And he, his, name, his name was Jesus. Later, when Jesus is standing in trial, you'll see next week when they say uh, he's, he's blasphemed, he's against Caesar, and Pilate comes to him and says, are you a king? And what does Jesus say? My kingdom is not of this world. If it were not for my father, this wouldn't be happening. This is his plan. This is God's plan. And then what did Pilate put on his cross? We'll see it next week again. He wrote it in multiple languages so that everyone would know this is Jesus Christ, the king of the Jews. Listen today, is he your king? Hey, listen, not only is the Jewish people now, still, they're still God's chosen people. I don't understand all that, how that works out. Uh, they have to be saved the same way we do right now. They have to come to a saving knowledge through Jesus Christ, just like you and I do. But listen, he's still the king. He's the victorious king. Let's continue to look at your notes. All who were, are claimed to be his followers praised God, adoring him joyfully with loud voices for all the miracles and works of power that they had seen. Jesus fulfilled the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9. If you go back and look for that on your own, go back to the Old Testament. We went back and looked at Psalms 118. Jesus fulfilled that because what was being said actually happened there on the road. They're shouting, Hosanna, save now, save now. That was prophetic in nature. Zechariah 9.9, God endowed, if you will, the, the prophet to preach. And he preached and said, he shall become riding on a colt. It was very specific. If you go back and look at Zechariah 9.9, he was very specific. Why? Because Jesus was in heaven with the Father whenever he told Zechariah to write it down. Because Jesus is God. What separates today? Somebody come to me and said, hey, pastor, and if you're here today, listen, don't show your cards. But somebody said, hey, I had a chance to talk to Jehovah's Witness this week. And I said, well, we're Jehovah's Witnesses, right? Because Jehovah's our God. But he's also called the great I Am. He's also called Jesus. And they said, well, how do you come into conflict? How do you actually respond to this? And Chris, I think you had an opportunity to talk to Jehovah's Witnesses as well, didn't you, last week? This week, as we talked, me and Adrian were talking. Obviously, Adrian says, those are the Kingdom Hall people, right? Kingdom Hall, not Jehovah's Witnesses, because that's who we are. But here's the difference. Listen, when you face someone from, from, if they're Mormon, if they're Jehovah's Witness, all those people that are actually claiming that they're Christian, hey, we're Christian too. We just changed the Bible a little bit. Listen, if you change the Bible at all, you basically have now, if you change who God is, you change everything about who God is. God's word speaks and it's authoritative. So the, the answer for anyone that comes to you says, hey, ask the question, do you worship God? King Jesus. Do you worship Jesus? I don't remember even growing up. I remember obviously hearing the word of God, but talking about worshiping God. And God is kind of generic. If we can keep him at God, we can all join together, can't we? From Jehovah's Witness to even though even atheists that says there is no God, they have to believe something because they fight against him, right? They, they pay for billboards saying there is no, right, God. Have you ever heard me preach against Barney? Our fairies, our leprechauns. It's because I don't believe in them, therefore I'm not going to waste time preaching against them. Amen? And if God's not, God's not real, why would you even mess with anybody not caring? But I want to tell you, God is real. God is the creator of the universe and all things. God is the Savior. Listen, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, as how do they work, the three in one? I don't fully understand it, but the Bible speaks of it multiple times. God the Father is spirit, and those who worship him, John 4, 24 says, must worship him in spirit and truth. The word says, no one has seen the Father 
and lived. No one. Joseph Smith, those who formed Mormonism or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, said God the Father was standing at the foot of his bed and God the Son was standing at the foot of his bed. He said, I saw both of them. Either God's a liar or he's a liar. Who's a liar? He is, and so therefore, if he changes how the description of God, he changes the trajectory of everyone who follows that faith or that religion. They talk about God the Father. They talk about God the Son. They talk about God the Holy Spirit, but they mean something completely different. We must come to the Word of God and say, listen, no one has seen God and lived. The Father. Jesus Christ, before his pre-incarnate, listen, pre-incarnate simply means before he took on flesh, Jesus, listen, was in heaven and Jesus was spirit. He never had a body. And the Holy Spirit, guess what he is? Name gives it away. He's holy and he's a spirit. Jesus forever, forever changed, if you will, his status. And when he came to earth to be born of a virgin, to be raised as a man, he took on skin so that he might walk with you and me knowing that there was no perfect sacrifice, no animal, no ram, no goat, no lamb, no cattle, no pigeon, no anything could take away your sins. It could only cover your sins. Something had to be killed and bled out so that it actually could be satisfying God the Father that it might be the perfect sacrifice. And guess who and he was? His name is Jesus. He came to be that very thing that he knew that we needed that would satisfy God. Therefore, this big word we use in church and in the Bible, we were justified before God. We were guilty. You're guilty of sin. You are 100% guilty of sin. And you have a choice to make today. Will you, like many people, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Saying, I believe that he died for me on the cross. I believe this is true because his word says so in my heart, convicts me that it's true. I don't have to convict you that you're a sinner. All of us are no good, rotten sinners. Amen? You're no good from birth because your mama gave birth to a sinner. That's what the Bible says. We like to pretty it up, don't we? We put lipstick on pigs oftentimes, don't we? You go to the county fair and look at the pig, how pretty that pig is. You turn that pig loose outside the fair, what's going to happen? Pigs always go back to the mud. Always. They're nasty animals. We're not animals, but we always go back to the sin of mud, the mud of sin. Always. We do. By choice. And by nature. But here's what we want to understand. Listen, God's very clear. You want to be justified before God? You want to be made right before God? Then God the Father is screaming from heaven through his word, receive my son, Jesus Christ. He came as king of kings and lord of lords. He came to actually sacrifice himself for your substitution, that you wouldn't have to do it. And there are people today saying, I don't believe that. Then here's what happens. There's only two ways that you're going to settle your sin issue before God. You will A, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, ask him to forgive you your sins and come into your life, or you will B, take on the punishment of God and say, I can take it, God, give me the wrath. And God will place you in the lake of fire that which burns with fire and brimstone for eternity. People are trying to minimize hell today, saying hell's got a limited time. There's no expiration date on hell. There's no expiration date on heaven. The Bible says there's a new heaven and a new earth. You will decide today whether you will receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you will face him as a man or woman. You'll stand before him and say, I can take it myself. And you will burn in the fire that burns forever. Why would you choose hell? Why would anybody in their right mind choose to go to hell when they hear the truth? Maybe you said, I've never heard that before. Look in the word of God. You're hearing it today. You must be born again is what Jesus said to Nicodemus. 
listen, you must be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, how am I saved? I simply tell God, I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead on the third day and that he lives forevermore. I believe that and I confess it today with my mouth and with my heart. And the Bible says if you do that, if you confess in your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Amen? Listen, that's the good news. That's why we call it the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. But my friend, my, my, listen, you might be family, you might be friends. I might not know you and you might not know me. If you don't receive Jesus Christ, because Jesus in John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. None of you, no one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one way. His way is the narrow way. And there's a gate on the narrow way. Some people are sitting there playing with the gate hinges going, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to. And you're sitting there playing with the gate on the narrow way while walking on the broad way. You keep looking over saying, I know there's another way. This way is chaotic. This way is crazy. This way is full of sin. These people are crazy that live on the broad way. Amen? We see it. You live it today. We're, we're Turn the news on. Listen to the radio. Just walk in your house. You see the chaos of the Broadway. There is a narrow way. There is a way. And it's harder. Listen, it's more specific. And it's the way that leads to the kingdom. That's through Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the good news of this coming of the king. These people got it right and they got it wrong, unfortunately. They started shouting, uh, crucify him later. Let's look and see. The multitudes praised him, shouting, Blessed, celebrated praise is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory, majesty, splendor in the highest heaven. That comes from Luke 19, there in verse 38. That's the amplified version, but it's also the prophetic word from Psalm 118. The unbelieving religious Pharisees insisted Jesus rebuke his disciples for shouting this messianic praise. Jesus told them, If the people kept quiet, the rocks would shout with praise. Wouldn't you have liked to have seen that? I would like to see the people shouting too, right? But I'd love to see those rocks pop up. How are they, how are they going to do it? I don't know, but they would have done it because Jesus said so. But I'm glad and thankful today that the rocks didn't have to sing that day because the people chose to shout Hosanna. Now, it was a witness against themselves, but they shouted nonetheless. Well, let's continue and see. As Jesus approached Jerusalem, he wept over the city. And listen, this is where so many of us are today. Oh, man, we're so we're this deep. Listen, we're this deep in knowledge. Some of you, you sit down, you can talk about the Bible with me, and you say, yeah, amen, glory be to God, and you're lost as a ball in the woods. You don't know the difference between saved and hell. You don't know heaven and hell. You just know what you've been taught, and you pass it on. You never take the time to open up the Word of God and say, Lord, if you're real, speak to me. Lord, speak to me. And listen, I promise you, based on his Word, if you ask him, honestly ask God to speak with you, to you, he will. But so many people want to play patty cakes with Jesus Christ. They want to play child's games. And they come to this place, the same thing that Jesus wept over. Preachers and saved people that weave over our lost children and family members and friends and those co-workers and those professors and those people in our lives. Look what he did. He wept over the city and the spiritual ignorance of its people. He said, if only you had known on this day of salvation, who was God's chosen people? You don't have to like it. You just have to know it. Who was chosen? The Jewish people from Abraham's seed, they were chosen. They were set apart that God might show himself awesome and righteous and holy. That, hey, I'm going to bring about a lineage that my son will come on the stage. 
Mary was of the lineage of Jesus. Obviously, she was his mother, birth mother. Even Joseph, even though he had nothing to do with the birth of Jesus, was of the lineage of King David. They both have ancestry back through because God said so. That's it. Sometimes you say, well, I don't like it. Well, when we were kids, we say you can like it or you can what? Lump it. Y'all know what that means. I don't know what lump it means. I don't, if it's bad, I'm sorry. Anybody else say that besides us? We said it in Pauline. All right, good. Okay. All right. You can like it or lump it. It's just the truth. What will you do with the truth? What did Pilate do when he asked Jesus, what is truth? Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? And Jesus said, I am truth. What will you do with truth today? You can play all the games you want to. Listen, I'm telling you, you don't get a free pass when you die, and you're going to die. It's appointed, the Bible says, for man to be, listen, for once to live and then to die, and then the judgment. There's a judgment day coming for all of you. There's a judgment day coming for me, and hallelujah, I'm going to stand before the, what's called the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to give an account for everything I did in this life, but I'm going to claim the blood of Jesus Christ. And he's going to say, well done, that good and faithful servant, because I'm working like he says to work. And I want to walk right in and get whatever my just rewards are that I can turn back around and give them to the King of Kings. Amen. But some of you, listen, are playing so many child's games with God. If you do get to heaven, if you truly are saved, you're like, I'm saved, I'm good. Is God, I've asked you this before, is God going to say, well done, that good and faithful servant, if you have not done well? He's not going to say it. You're not going to hear it. Now, today I know in our schools, in our universities, well, let's just, let's just drop the final exams and let's just make it easier for children and let's, let's just pass them all the way up to ninth grade. Even though they can't read, let's just push them all the way through and we'll just tell them they're good. That's good. You've got the number of credits you need. You can get out of here and do what? Become a menace to society. We've got students today that can't read that are graduating high school. How do you graduate anything if you can't read or write? Unless you have a disability. Then there's other avenues. But what we've done in our culture is said, oh, baby, I'm sorry you can't do that. Let's make an exception. Let's make an exception. Let's make an exception. We go down to the jail. Well, he was arrested. He only had 15 pounds of cocaine, Pastor. I don't know what the problem is. I'm, I'm, if I'm, listen, I'm telling you as God's witness, I sat in a police lineup and, and I had to pick the 15 worst guys or women. I didn't know if there were men or women. We had to sit through lineups and saying. Pick, your, pick the ones that you think as a crime against society that is so bad as a pastor, un, not professional police, that you think that person needs to be incarcerated if they get called again. Well, I, I'm sitting here with a piece of paper going, oh my word, are you kidding? I'm writing down, it's just like this, it came up on the screen, I'm writing, the, absolutely, absolutely. And I push my paper and I'm like, and I'm in there with CIA, FBI, Highway Patrol, SLED. I mean, there was everybody you could have mentioned was in this place, and they called a pastor in for a pastor's perspective. A community asset is what I was called. And I was done. And I pushed my paper up and I said, I'm done. And they're like, What are you doing? The commander stopped and said, What are you doing? I said, I'm finished. He goes, We're not even finished with the first person yet. As God is my witness, I was finished. Because the crimes this man had committed, well, I found out later it was a man, this person had committed was over. Just sheets. You ever heard of a rap sheet? This person had sheet after sheet after sheet of crimes that they committed against society. And I chose that one person as my 15 top 10. I mean, top 15. That one person. I'd, I'd finish with that one person. So what we do in the society, we continue to call good, bad, and bad, 
good or evil. So here's what I want you to understand. It doesn't matter what American society does, Canadian society, you pick a society. It doesn't matter what a society does or what a culture does. And Jesus Christ must be first and foremost in their life if they're going to be a change. They must preach the gospel in Australia. They must preach the gospel in Kenya. No matter where you go, the gospel has to be preached and someone has to hear and respond to the gospel. People will either accept it or they will reject it. There's no other choice. But the spiritual ignorance of today, this is what's killing the church of today. People are ignorant of the word of God. They don't know what the word of God says. These people had the king of kings, the creator of God. Jesus Christ himself was standing in front of their city, entering their city. They all knew about him because they said, Hosanna, Hosanna. They even knew the psalmist, what the psalmist said. They called him out as king of the Jews. And yet just uh, within the week, they're going to be turning their back on him, shouting, crucify him. Crucify him. Crucify him. This is the spiritual ignorance of the people that, of his time, and we're facing it today at an all-time high. People don't know what the Word of God says, and they're not willing to read for themselves. They, they're satisfied being spoon-fed. Lastly, Jesus entered the temple enclosure with authority throughout all those who were selling and trading there. He rebuked their sinful misuse of his house. How many today is the house of God being used? And even though he doesn't dwell here, he dwells in us. As we come together, we bring him here. This is his place set aside. But how many times is sin being tolerated in the house of God today? In, in the name of religion or in the name of I'm right because I'm the leader. God forbid we're doing the very same thing they did in just a different way. And finally, I didn't put on your notice, but Jesus taught daily in the temple without interruption. He was so bold. Listen, he wasn't pushed around by these pharisaical punks. He didn't actually worry about what they said against him. He knew he was dying on the cross. He knew they were calling for his death. He knew they'd been trying to scheme and scam against him since he was here on the planet. They've made fun of him. They've, they've accused him. They've called him all kind of false things. He knew that. But listen, when you got somebody who has all authority in heaven and earth, is he worried about some man, some woman, somebody talking trash about him? Does, do words hurt him? Do words hurt Jesus? Not deep down, obviously they're offensive. They don't hurt him. He stands because he has all authority, because he is God. Everything deflects off he. It's amazing to think about. Well, we're going to take the Lord's Supper here in just a minute. But before we do, listen, I want to make sure that you know that you know that you know that you're saved. Have you given your heart and life to Jesus Christ? Are you satisfied where you are today? If you're satisfied, something's wrong, because each day you should be wanting to get closer and closer to Jesus. Are you reading this word? Are you taking him at his word saying, listen, I want to do exactly what you said to do, Lord, because you said to do it, not because I think it's better, not because I think I've got a better way, but because you said so? Listen, I invite you. We're going to stand at the end of the service. I'll be down here. We're going to stand together. If you want to come and pray, you can pray. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. He said, this do in remembrance of me. And what did he do for it? What are we remembering? We're remembering his death on the cross his burial and his resurrection the third day according to the scripture. And we remember that he lives forevermore and he's coming again. Amen? That's our remembrance today. Don't take this in vain. Don't mess around with this. You'll hear me say some have done it and they fell asleep or they've died because they messed around with the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't mess around with God today. Do business with him. If you need to get right with God and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, I invite you to come. Who cares who's looking? He's looking. Right? If you need to pray, I invite you to come and pray today. If you can pray right where you are, you can come to the altar. Your choice. Let's stand together and let's sing as we sing.